The Word of God is the revelation of God and His work of salvation. This gives life to His people through His Spirit. At Covenant Grace Church, we are committed to making the Word of God and the Gospel it declares the focal point of our ministry. If you want more information about any of our ministries or have questions about anything you hear in this sermon, please email us at info at covenantgraceutah.org or visit our website at covenantgraceutah.org. Thank you for listening, and we pray that God uses His Word in your life to draw you closer to Him. Well, that's certainly what we just sang. That we come, let us adore Him, and we will praise His name forever is the heart of what it is to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian. The great need of all humanity, the great need of the human heart, of the human soul, is to find its rest in Christ, to praise God's name forever. And as that's our great need, we need someone to come and enable that in our lives. And so Jesus, God himself, took on flesh to bring us back to God. And so that's what we're going to talk about for a little bit tonight. We planned a short message, so ironically I'm the one who's teaching it. We'll see how well I do on that end. So we're talking about the need for the incarnation. The need for the incarnation. And that word incarnation, we use that word a lot this time of year, but oftentimes you don't actually think about what it means to incarnate. And essentially what it means is to take on flesh. To take on flesh. To become human. For God, the Word, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, takes on flesh in order to bring us to God. So as we think on that, we ask these questions and, and let's meditate on what these questions really mean. Why? Why did God the Son come down, as it were, from heaven and take on flesh? Or maybe another way of asking the question is why do we need an Emmanuel? Emmanuel. This word we often sing which translates to God with us. Why do we need Jesus to be our Emmanuel. I'm going to read John 1, 14 through 18, which will be our text for this portion tonight. I'll pray briefly and we'll begin. John 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray as we dive into your word tonight, as we sing these songs that are so uh, sentimental for us, that bring back so many memories, that are a joy to sing together as a, as a body and as a family, that we will also ponder the truth of the things that we've said. Lord, I pray that these things will not simply be a seasonal 
reminder of what you have done for us, but that you will remind us every day of what you have done in your humility to save those of us who are not worthy so that you might bring us to God. Lord, there is no greater truth. There is nothing more central to our need as human beings than to spend time reflecting on this. So in our joy, maybe even in our busyness today, I pray that we will do this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we look at the need for the incarnation, we'll look at this through the lens of three words. And that's sin, temple, and presence. Sin, temple, and presence. We don't normally think about talking of sin when we think of Christmas. We certainly don't think about temple, uh, at least not many of us. We think of temples when we think about Christmas, but I hope that this will make sense as we go along. When we ask that question, why do we need an Emmanuel, the answer is what we talked about and read at the beginning tonight. That we were not created in sin. We were not created in darkness, yet darkness and sin resides within our hearts. It's not merely a cultural problem. It's not a societal problem. It is a human problem. We are all sinners. Before this, in John 1.5, it says that the light shines in the darkness. We read this in Isaiah 9, that the gospel came to Zebulun and Naphtali, these places that were the first in Israel to go into exile, if we know our, our history and, and what the Bible says. That Zebulun and Naphtali were on the other side of the Jordan, on the east side of the Jordan. They went into exile first, and they were, as it were, the first into darkness Uh, culturally, societally, as a nation. And that was a mirror image of what happened to our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden. That they were created full of light, yet they sinned and brought darkness into the world. Titus 3, Paul assesses the human nature. And he says quite plainly that our current state is that we are hating God and hating one another, hating one another and hated by one another. We see this in the world today. We wouldn't have to do much to look through news stories, to look through personal events, things that happen in our homes and our families and all around us, things that have happened in our past, things that will happen to us, to see the effect of sin in the world. In fact, so great is the effect of sin that John 3 tells us Jesus tells us that the light has come into the world, but men loved the darkness. Because what happens when light comes in? Well, it reveals what's going on around us. And it reveals not just what's going on in that person's heart. It reveals what's going on in my heart. And this is true of all of us. Whether we're saved or unsaved, Christian of the faith or not, we tend in our humanity, in our human nature, our fallen nature to run from the light and to run back to darkness. I know that has been my own experience even this week. As things have come up and things have been exposed, perhaps your week has been like mine. It's been busy. It's been tiring, perhaps depressing at times. And what do we tend to do? Well, as family gathers together, we tend to lash out even at the people that we love the most. And then as we come together, our heart motive is to pretend that everything's really okay, but it's, it's not. 
The world is in darkness because of sin. Adam and Eve were cast out of God's presence when they sinned. Israel was cast out of the promised land when they sinned and they broke God's covenant. But just as Ben mentioned, God made a promise. The first words of God to sin were first to bring curse and judgment. Sin deserved a judgment, but sin, God in his grace also promised a cure that the one, that there would be a seed of the woman who would come forth and crush the seed of the serpent who had deceived them and led them into the sin. God promised he would send someone who would bring us out of darkness. And this is what Jesus accomplished. And that brings us to the temple. Well, what did they do between Genesis 3.15 and Matthew 1? What did they do? Well, they had to do something to deal with sin. So God made a way for them to deal with sin. He gave them sacrifices. And those sacrifices took place at a location where God said his glory would dwell. And that place was the temple or the tabernacle prior to that. The tabernacle or the temple mediated God's presence to his people, but it also kept them at a distance. You couldn't get too close. Only one person could actually go in and meet with God once a year after performing all the rites and rituals and through massive amounts of death. How many goats and lambs and bulls had to be killed before they could come to God? Sin requires death. Sin requires distance from God. And so a temple was a place of death. It wasn't a pleasant place. Even though it was the glory of God to get there, you had to walk through blood. Again, this is an uplifting Christmas message, right? Well, the law shows us this. Our temptation as human beings, when we encounter problems in our hearts, maybe we call them struggles, problems, issues, at the end of the day, they're, they're sin. When we encounter sin in our hearts, what do we try to do? We try to make ourselves better. We think, I I know that maybe I just need some self-improvement. Maybe I just need to work on myself a little bit. Maybe I need to see a therapist. Maybe I need to go through all these things. And I'm not saying that those things are bad, but they're not going to change our hearts. They can't, but we might be able to change an outward behavior, but we can't affect our hearts. We can't change our hearts to make us closer to God. We can't fulfill the law. We can't be perfect the way that God requires. We can't earn our way or merit our way back to God's presence. In fact, God tells us in Romans 4 that the one who seeks to work or earn his way will get what he earns. And the wages of sin is death. That's our birthright. That's what we've earned. And judgment is real. And we need to remember that as we come into this time And again, I've known people that have lost loved ones due to death, illness. How many times have we heard, just heard a story yesterday of a family who the the wife had just died from, from cancer earlier this week. I know of a pastor who's lost two family members this month alone. We hang up stockings in our home that will never be filled. We experience the pain of death. We need a savior who will bear our judgment. And so what we need is a savior who is God and who is man, who as Job says, can lay his hand on us both. We need 
the word to become flesh. And that leads us to the presence of God. In John 1.14, it says the word became flesh. Well, who is this word? Well, John 1.1 tells us that in the beginning was the word. This word is timeless. And this word was with God and the word was God. So God, this word is eternal and equal to God. He is God and yet also distinct from God only in the sense that you can define father from son eternally in the way they relate to one another, but they are one God. The word became flesh. We'll talk about this more tomorrow morning, which is the advertisement to come back tomorrow morning. What it means for the word to become flesh, but basically what it means is that he took on human flesh. He didn't just come and pretend to be human. He didn't come and, and just make a human man a bit more godly. No, the word became flesh. He is one God, one person, two natures. He is divine and he is human in one person without confusion or composition. And what does this God do? God the Son, the Word, the Creator of all things, visible and invisible, very God of very God, light from light, takes on flesh and dwells among us. That word dwelt means tabernacled. Jesus is the temple. The temple mediated the presence of God to man. Jesus said that he, as God the Son, would come and take on flesh and be our temple, be the presence of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. First, 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that we see the glory of God in the face of Christ. He is the true temple, and he brings the glory of God. He is light, and he opens our eyes to see the glory of God. And this doesn't happen by the law. What does he do? He brings grace upon grace. The law came through Moses. And all that could do was tell us how far we fail. How far we have failed to love God. How far we have failed to love one another. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He brought peace. We read this earlier. Peace among those with whom God is well pleased. Jesus is the peace of God. He is the grace of God. He came full of grace and truth. When we think of the manger, we need to remember that the manger leads to the cross and to the empty tomb. Over and over, Jesus said, this is why I came. This is why I took on flesh. So that I could take all of you and save you by taking on all of your sin and all of your shame, paying the, the penalty you, do, you should pay, I will pay it. And then I will raise again for your life. That manger leads to the cross. Our great need is to know and worship God forever. It's what you were made for. So Jesus took on flesh to bring us back to God. He did that by dying for you. 
He did that by raising for us. And then he says, you don't have to earn this life. You don't have to be good enough so that I will save you. No, I came for the sick. I came for the poor. I came for the weary. You don't have to earn anything. It is my glory to save you by grace through faith alone. So all we have to do is believe in him, to rest in him and not our own works. Our works can't make us right with God, but his works do. So as we think about that, as we contemplate in the darkest of days, the light that shines in the darkness, may we remember what it says at the end of verse five, that the light has shone in the darkness and darkness has not overcome it. It is impossible for darkness to overcome because this light is the light of God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we praise you that you took on flesh for us, that you became incarnate for us, and we confess to you our need of this incarnation, this, our need of this grace that you give. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be stirred up by your word, by what you have done, that as we sing, we will know deep in our hearts, deep in our souls and our minds, that our true need is to find rest in you, especially in this time of year. May we find rest and hope in you and you alone. Praise your holy name that you have finished the work and you have done it all in your name. Amen.